Hey, Hope family. Happy Friday. We are three weeks into our fall family nights, which means that we have one week left before a new batch of classes start. So whether you were a part of the first ones or not, check out the new options and join us Wednesdays, October 13th through November 10th. Along with Christmas Choir, we are offering a singles group, a parenting class, and a class that will look at the historicity of the Exodus story. And so all are great options, and make sure that you sign up for the one that best fits you this Sunday. For our time this morning, we'll be returning to A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. We've looked at a variety of different attributes of God in this series. In fact, this is the 13th episode looking at Tozer's work. And today, we are looking specifically at the transcendence of God. I've quoted from Isaiah 55 several times already in this series. It's there that we hear God say through the prophet, My ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts your thoughts. This hints at the transcendence of God, that he is so far above us. And it's just a few chapters over in Isaiah 57, verse 15 specifically, that we read, For thus says the the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Isaiah here is using human physical language to express a spiritual, non-physical truth, the transcendence of God. When we talk of God's transcendence, we are not talking about his physical location or the altitude of his dwelling. We are speaking in terms of degree, quality, and life. We are stuck in our physical reality, so Isaiah talks of God as high and lifted up, and this helps us conceptualize a spiritual, truth, a spiritual truth. Here's Tozer on the matter. We must grant him transcendence in the fullest meaning of that word. Forever God stands apart in light unapproachable. He is as high above an archangel as an archangel is from a caterpillar, but the gulf between an archangel and the caterpillar is but finite while the gulf between God and the archangel is infinite. The caterpillar and the archangel, though far removed from each other in the scale of created things, are nevertheless one in that they are alike created. They both belong in the category of that which is not God and are separated from God by infinitude itself. This concept of God is often foreign to modern hearers, and it can be jarring and stark. What do we do with a God so other than us? How can we even begin to relate to this God? Well, Tozer goes on to say, We console ourselves with the knowledge that God himself puts it in our hearts to seek him and makes it possible in some measure to know him. And he is pleased with even the feeblest effort to make him known. End quote. So for starters, we know that God condescends to us and has created us with a desire to know and be known by him. But I think the jarring nature of thinking of God so far above us is a good thing. We live in a pretty relaxed culture. Some listeners older than me can likely remember a time where adults were referred to as sir and miss or ma'am by those who weren't adults. Now it's not particularly rare for my kids to refer to my friends by just their first names. Now we do try to go with Mr. and Mrs. first name of my friend, but it doesn't always stick. So please don't judge me too harshly. I think there are a lot of positives to a more relaxed culture, like the one that we live in. It allows those who have more experience and wisdom to feel like they are accessible and not unapproachable. It gives voice to those who, due to age or status, could be taken advantage of and have no recourse, but now are taken seriously because there is more of an equal footing. 
There are, of course, drawbacks as well. And I think one of them is our view of God. When no one or so few are highly esteemed, we tend to think of God as our equal, or at least as comparable to us. God is better than us, sure, but we can intrinsically feel like God-likeness is attainable. It is not. Whenever we see someone in Scripture have an interaction with God, they are leveled. Here's Tozer explaining interactions with God in the Bible. Wherever God appeared to men in the Bible times, the results were the same, an overwhelming sense of terror and dismay, a wrenching sensation of sinfulness and guilt. When God spoke, Abraham stretched himself upon the ground to listen. When Moses saw the Lord in the burning bush, he hid his face in fear to look upon God. Isaiah's vision of God wrung from him the cry, Woe is me, and the confession, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. Daniel's encounter with God was probably the most dreadful and wonderful of them all. The prophet lifted up his eyes and saw one whose body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, he afterwards wrote. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard a voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. These experiences show that a vision of the divine transcendence soon ends all controversy between the man and his God. The fight goes out of the man, and he is ready with conquered Saul to ask meekly, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We could deal with a dose of this type of humility. We could use a return to this type of reverence for our Lord. Yet this fear of the Lord is not a fear that should cause us to avoid our maker. As the author of Hebrew tells us in chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And multiple times throughout scripture, we're told that God gives grace to the humble, but he rebukes the proud. And so when we approach God in our pride, then we should be fearful because God will rebuke us and you do not want to be opposed by the almighty creator, the transcendent God. But when we approach humbly, we can do so with a paradoxical confidence that what we will receive is grace and mercy for our time of need. We balance these two. The reality of the transcendence of God should humble us, but the loving sacrifice of God as seen in the person of Jesus Christ gives us a great confidence.